ser benfiquista é uma crença. É uma religião muito grande. A visão é um culto. A coragem, que é a liberdade, que é crer, que é vontade, que é o caráter das pessoas. A alma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão que eu tenho explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser o Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser o Benfica. Mas de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Dolby Benfica podcast. My name is Alfredo Fumaças. With me tonight, as always, Cristiano Oliveira. Cristiano, olá, senhores. Olá, senhores e senhoras, meninos, meninas. Como é que é? And uh, also in, uh, with us tonight, as always, Dave is up in Toronto. Dave, diz olá aos senhores e às senhoras. Olá, tudo bem? Good to be back on uh, here tonight. Uh, yeah, discussing another victory here for Benfica. Good to be back. Tchau, David. Tchau. Tchau, belo. Tchau, que cazzo. Anyway, here we are for episode number 351. On tonight's episode, we will uh, recap Benfica against uh, Passo Ferreira, which happened this past weekend. And we'll look ahead to Benfica's next uh, home game uh, for the Liga Nossa, which is against uh, Bolense Sad. Uh, and also, Benfica's got the first leg of the Portuguese Cup semifinals against Famalicão at Stade Luz this upcoming Tuesday, so a week um, a week from today as we record this. Are we doing this live? We're doing it live. We're, what do you mean, live? Live? No, no. No, so I can take off my wig because I don't want take you off and Pita and all the guys to crack on guys were here, so I'm, no, I can take, take it off. off your wig. Oh, okay. Today we've, we've established a, a very... We have a theory. We've established a theory that bald guys like JJ. It's a study. This, is, this was a scientific study. Scientific, right? There is a sci- I don't know if it was scientific, but there, there scientific. was definitely some 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 silly thought put into it. Not serious thought, silly thought. But anyway, let's uh, let's get right into this Passo Ferreira game. If he could travel up north to play Passo Ferreira at the Capital do Móvel, and Capital do Móvel, for you guys don't know uh, that much Portuguese, is the furniture capital of Portugal. Uh, and uh, if you want to know uh, how uh, the city got that name or the town got that name, wiki that up because I didn't. But I'm sure I have it's a lot of hardwood over there. <laughs> it makes real good mobilia. Full power. Full power. <laughs> There's a bunch of full power there. You know, funny story. About 15 years ago, I actually went through like 20 freaking stores in Capital do Mova looking for yeah. furniture. And that's how I'm like, oh, shit, that's Capital do Mova. And then I knew why because literally – Every other, every, every, other, every corner, every other door is a store. It's like a new interest to a new store. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's crazy okay, over there. So, so if you're in Portugal and looking for good furniture, and, I, and we're not talking about the IKEA stuff, even though there's an IKEA store, or IKEA factory over there. But if you're looking for that uh, that Volvo uh, uh, armoire or a Volvo dresser, you're gonna find it there. That that solid wood stuff that that's uh, gonna take three guys to get up to your first floor of your house. That's right. That sounds like a menagerie. <laughs> 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 Three guys in a piece of furniture. <laughs> Full pow. Full pow. <laughs> so anyway, um, I'll give you the lineup real quick, and then we'll get a, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the, the game. Vlacodimus was in goal. Almeida Dias Ferro and Grimaldo crossed the back. Uh, Julian Weigel, uh, Gabriel, Pizzi, Servi, Rafa, and Vinicius. Cristiano, Fala. surprised that Rafa uh, stepped in for Chiquinho. I no. think we were all seeing that. No, I think, look, there's, there's tons of times where we see a guy come into the game and play well, and then everyone starts to speculate. Newspapers, fans, anyone, guys like us, ourselves, do we on a podcast. And a lot of those times, the speculation is pure silly, right? Silliness. 
And this time, it, it actually made a little bit of sense because, as I've told you many times off air, right? Uh, I haven't really done it much on air, but off air, I've told you that if you didn't she, do it off on air. Doesn't count. But it's fine. But I told you, and I'm talking to you right now. Nobody else is listening. I'm yeah, talking but to I can you. deny nor confirm we had that conversation. Beautiful. Just listen. Uh, where I wasn't too crazy about Shikinyu, and so Shikinyu his game has dropped a little bit of late, and it made all the sense in the world. You got a healthy Rafa. Servi's been putting in a shift. Been, in, you know, the guy at the end of the day, whether you love him or not, you can't deny that he deserves an opportunity to be out there based on his work rate. And so, I mean, the only one other spot that was available to bring in the player out of caliber of Rafa, who we've said many, 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 many times that when he's on form, he's Benfica's best player, but obviously the most dangerous player in the Portuguese league. The guy is lightning quick, so. You have to get a player like that on the field at all times, and it became the most logical uh, position, logical spot for him to play would be in Shikinu's spot. Yeah, well, you know, if we if we have to take a look at how Shikinu made it into uh, this lineup, uh, we were look we were desperately looking for a guy to play behind uh, the forward, the second forward. This uh, is not Shikinu's natural position. Nope. Shikinu has always played either at center mid or an interior mid. Uh, the fact that he was able to come in and and kind of give a little bit of of consistency to uh, Laja's ideas and Laja's game plan, uh, we have to give him credit for that. Now, is he the optimal guy? No. As he had a, a kind of slow descent into mediocrity, you could say that based on his performances. So certainly uh, is is. Uh, place was up for grabs and understanding what Servia has been doing every week in terms of uh, of the effort. And I know that Cristiano is not a, a huge fan of uh, of uh, Servia and, and sometimes the effort doesn't always count for, for performance for Cristiano. Because I think at a big club like that, effort you know, shouldn't be the, the difference maker because I, I like to think every player on the field is putting in the effort. I mean, that's a professional. That's that's the least you're asked to do is give it your 100% at all right. times. No, but, you know, the, the fact that uh, Rafa is familiar with the position and he was emergent, he came in in the sporting game, grabbed two goals. Uh, it was, I think it was obvious that that that, uh, that Rafa was going to slot in there. But um, strong first half by Benfica. I think Benfica came out firing on all cylinders, cr did create some some opportunities, uh, Was uh, had a, a goal called back by a four centimeter. Dave, how much is a four centimeter? Is like a, is that your pinky, like a pinky toe type of deal? Four centimeter. Maybe like your your uh, four of your uh, what's this finger called here? Pink. The pinky. yeah, pinky finger. Stinky. Four of those. Four of those stinky pinkies. Yeah, put them side by side. Four of them. That's four centimeters. Uh, like like this, like together. No, on top of each other. If I've ever on top of each other, yeah, I'm, one, two, three. When you put them on top of each other, that's four centimeters. Guys, guys. So the size of size like your thumb. I'm, I'm sure. Can guys, you say your thumb, guys? Yeah. For those of you that are not watching this on video, you should just thank the good heavens because what these guys Alfredo's doing with the fingers in his mouth, and I don't. This just it's just crazy. You guys should be. Should be very lucky that you didn't have to witness this. Subscribe to the Patreon for the video of that. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have memories of that. I mean, that's just, that's disturbing. <laughs> anyway, whatever. Four centimeters, it's like a, a pintello almost, right? <laughs> if you got after, after, after a long winter, if you got pintello four centimeters long, I mean, thick or whatever. You there's something wrong with you, bro. It's time to go. Gotta get a grinder. It, it, it's time for a manscape. <laughs> manscape. You need a grinder. You need, a grinder, uh, yeah. I don't know. One of them construction tools that grind shit like that's like for Ishka. 
Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You know, I just don't know what it's called, but yeah, that's a clipper. A a clipper. It's called a grinder, right? Yes. It is a grinder. Yeah. See, I was right. So, uh, yeah. So, my construction uncles will be so happy. So strong, uh, strong start, uh, Bible figures. I was saying, and I think, uh, and Dave, I'll ask you, right? Um, after a, a significant win against Sporting, and albeit Sporting not being at the level that we have seen them in years past. Uh, or decades past, I should say. Um, certainly, a win against your rival is always an emotional win. Was there ever, and then understanding that you also had gained seven points or, or Sporting, was there? Did were you ever fearful that this could have been a trap game for Benfica? It, it could be right. We're going up north to uh, these smaller pitches where, uh, in the past, it seems like we we tend to struggle. But the way this team came out in the, the first half, it's unfortunate there's only one goal to uh, show for in the first half. But there was uh, two crossbars, if I'm not mistaken, a uh, goal taken away by, by four centimeters. And whether you want to debate how how accurate those cameras are and how who, who's got the, uh, the measurement there to know it's uh, exactly four centimeters or not. But I think this team was... Uh, um, very uh, hard done by by only getting one goal on the uh, score sheets uh, in the first half because uh, they could have easily had three or four going into halftime uh, the way they were creating uh, offensive uh, chances during the first half. So yeah. good to see that there was no drop-off and no um, trap game mentality uh, for this game here. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and despite Bas Freda having most of the possession in the first half, I think it was like 56-44 if I'm not mistaken, uh, Benfica did end up getting uh, the goal in the 39th minute with a nice play, a nice dish off of uh, of a Diaz ball into Rafa. Rafa cut it in and finished it with his with his left foot. Beautiful vision by 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 Ruben Diaz to find him, um, to spring him loose, and then he had the awareness to fake with the right, cut to his left, tuck the ball opposite post. I mean, something that you know other guys on the field probably wouldn't be allowed. I, I know. I, I think I said his left. No. I think I did, yeah. yeah, you said fake with his right, then went with his left. It, it makes it more impressive, the fact that it was with his left foot. Well, yeah, especially when you consider you go back maybe 22 months, and with his right foot, he would have missed it. So with his left, is, it's, That's it's right. impressive. But uh, he would have pulled his Fedovic or something. But, uh, yeah, I mean, tremendous finish by him. Tremendous finish by, by Ruben Diaz. I know a lot of people who, who, who you know, want to knock Ruben Diaz at times because he's a little bit of a brutal and say that he doesn't have the ability uh, to spring passes forward just, you know, like uh, Ferro does, for example. He showed everyone that he has that in his repertoire. It's just, it was magnificent um, through ball him, uh, through ball by him, a great movement off the ball by PZ and, uh, and other guys to make, to get that space, uh, to get that open space for Rafa. <laughs> and, and Rafa was able to come up big time. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think that when you look at Pizzi and you, you see his eyes, you could see that his yeah. eye was one in a passing lane and the other eye was on Rafa. I think he was asking for the ball. I'm, I'm laughing. For those of you that wonder why the hell I'm laughing, is because Alfredo was talking about this before before coming on air, you know, because I think PZ was making the run, asking for the ball. Alfredo says that he made the run in order to just purposely to open up space for Rafa. And, I, and I'm like, we we were, we, you know, rewind for it. And it was like, no, to me, I was asking. But at the end of the day, look, it was a great run by PZ. He did create the space for Rafa. It was a great run by Rafa to get him behind the defense. And most importantly, it was a great pass by Ruben Diaz to find them, um, you know, to find Rafa and then 
brilliant, brilliant finish by Rafa. You know, gave Benfica a little bit of breathing room. Benfica hadn't exactly played uh, their best football in the first half. Uh, a lot of possession, thought, as you mentioned, by Pas Freira. No, but they, they, I thought Benfica played well in the first half. I, uh, I, I, I didn't the say they didn't play well. I said they didn't play great. They weren't, they weren't playing their best football. And, and, and one thing, I got to be honest, Dave, I, I thought about you right about 40th minutes or so. Oh, no, right before we scored a goal, I thought about you, Dave, because you said something last week when it came to your stats where you said Benfica. I don't know if you said it on air, but I remember you telling us that Benfica has scored a tremendous amount of goals in the second half, more so in the second half than they have in the first half. And so before I started to get nervous, because you could tell like things weren't getting, you know, weren't coming easy for Benfica. Um, they had a couple of nice plays, obviously, the one free kick by Grimaldo where the keeper was able to save it, tip it over the box, uh, over the goal. Then in the ensuing corner kick, beautiful job by, by, by Vinicius to get his head on the ball. Obviously, unfortunately, to hit the crossbar. So I think it did create some opportunities. But you could tell the game might get a little bit tough. And so I started thinking about Dave. I'm like, okay, well, it's not the end of the world here. They, they score like three times more goals in the second half. So, hey, there's something positive to look forward to in the second half. And then Rafa... Came up and, and said, nah, Chris, coming up, I was still a key. And, you know, gave us some breathing room going yeah, into the halftime. That's right. So the way Befica finished off the first half with uh, up one nothing, and, and let's be fair, uh, Vlako Dimos did make a, a really good save, but that's why he's there in the first half to, to hold the game at, uh, at one all. Uh, but Befica comes out of the locker room in the second half, and it just continues Um what they had done in the first half and and gets on the the score sheet very early on in the 47th minute with Rafa feeding uh, Vinicius uh, for the goal that kind of would, would put I think the two nothing in the way Benfica was playing it, it put the the game uh, out of reach really because for the rest of the game Benfica just controlled uh, controlled the game. Well, did they put it out of reach or did the referee help them? Keep it well, out of reach, you know, because I mean there are some 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 suspect calls that absolutely. that I think a lot of us Benfica's had it been the other way around, a lot of people would have been absolutely. calling for a penalty or, or a different uh, you know different outcome. So yeah. uh, as you said, there's three penalty calls. Three, three. We, we can't be hypocrites to the point that when we come on here, we talk about penalties that weren't called for Benfica, and then the ones that are that uh, that weren't called for the other teams. We got to discuss them also. So. Uh, let let's take it uh, the the three one the first one I I thought that uh, Ruben Diaz in, in the half and uh, was it the first half or second half I think it was the second half was brought down I thought that was the that could have gotten a penalty I thought that the Julian Weigel arm albeit very soft I thought I've seen things like that get called and nobody really complained and there's another one Ruben Diaz shielding the ball using his arm t- to uh, to shield the ball. Um, could have also been called a penalty. So we can't be hypocrites to the point that, uh, you know, we only talk about the, the calls that didn't go Benfica's way. These w- would have been calls that could have gone past Freder way. I don't think it would have changed the, 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 the way the game was going because I remember that one for Ruben D, either Ruben Diaz or Weigel was after the Benfica's second Did goal. Did you say Wagmans? Like the store? Weigel. Uh, I thought that that was, um, you know, at that point, I think the game was out of reach for Pasquale, especially because of, of what they had been doing so far in that game and the way Benfica was controlling. Um, so I, I really didn't think that had a bearing on the final result for the game, but we still should mention it. And I think there was a lot of I actually watched uh, the replay in the game uh, on an, uh, on Free Sports, which is a U.K. channel. 
Uh, and um, the guy did say that those could have been uh, could have been penalty calls. So um, I think that they could have they could have been. And I don't think anybody would have been uh, really all that surprised that they got called. Uh, certainly uh, could have been soft, but certainly uh, penalties that uh, that went uncalled. So. There's, 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 there's someone I want to talk about because you mentioned a couple minutes ago where you said Flaco Dimos came up with a huge save still in the first half. Um, in the second half, too. And and I just want to say, man, is there a player on Benfica that has um, gotten better from, like, you know, drastically better from last season, has improved as much as, as Flaco Dimos has this season, from last season to this season? Is there a player on the team that's improved as much as he has? Um, I don't. I you, you know can, you can make the case for Tarap from a guy that was left off the team, yeah, but Tarap wasn't playing a lot. And I love Tarap, but I'm talking about guys that actually play. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Like guys that actually play. Is there anyone that's improved as much as he? Had? Because there was times last year where you guys recall I was coming out here and, and and he'd leave me very nervous. And this year, bro, I'm very at ease with him. I mean, yeah. He's, yeah, and he's coming up big, you know. And we he's, just don't even talk about it. I mean, Benfica is the team in all of Europe with the least goals conceded, six, right? I six believe goals still conceded, six. yeah. Yeah, and 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 like we just, I think he's gotten so good that we take him for granted. We don't even talk about him no more. Yeah, um, I I think he's definitely in in the conversation. I don't know who else is in that conversation, but it's definitely. I mean, if you look back, and as Cristiano mentioned last season. Uh, there were times that coming out of goal, he was uh, he was suspect. Uh, his his feet game wasn't the best, and, and his positioning in between those through balls, and whether you know he's too far out the box yeah. or they didn't come out enough. And this year, it just seems like he's been on point. Yeah. So I want to commend him. I want to. I want to. You know, because again, I criticized him last year at times, and so I, I just think each week that we watch him, I'm like, wow, we're taking this guy for granted because nobody's even really talking yeah. about it. And he's and he stepped up big time for us. And, and look, I I know that defense has been consistent in the effort that they put out and home and has been one of our most consistent performances this, performers this year. Um, but uh, I think you have to look at Flacco's and some of the saves that he's that he's come up with point blank. Um, he's done very well and he's definitely improved his game. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you on, on commending them. I actually think Flacco has been our best defender all year. Really? Yes. N- not Grimaldo? No, <laughs> I, I think, I think I, look, as you said before, as you said a few minutes ago, no, I, just our, Ruben has been very consistent, but I think we have holes right at one point or another throughout the season. We've had slip ups and weaknesses where the reason why Vlaco's making these great saves is because we've gotten those weaknesses at points at times. Yeah. Right. And so, again, I don't think even though it, it sounds kind of asinine what I'm saying, right, it's kind of productive. Like, wait, Chris, you just said. They've only lost six goals. I mean, they got to be tremendous. Right? But then you got to take everything into account. The quality that they face week in, week out is kind of crap. And then the few occasions that they actually do get on goal, Vlaco Dimas has been freaking spectacular. Dave, to use one of our hockey terms, he stood on his head, hey? Yeah, he has put up an, a, a shutout. Not a clean shoot, a shutout. But, uh, yeah, uh, very good uh, performances. He's still a little bit suspect when uh, he's not grabbing the ball with his hands when he's punching those those uh, crosses out. It's still like uh, for him, him to punch it, man. Pardon? I'd rather him punch it. Play safe. Just yeah, Dave. Sometimes those create those create uh, second chance opportunities, though. Um, either way, but uh, yeah, he he's definitely improved, and I think a little uh, maybe that uh, conversation of bringing in. Uh, a keeper, a pet in at the beginning of the season, maybe that's lit a, a fire underneath them 
and uh, the results have shown this now, year for him. Remember, it was man the all the hard work that he's put in, and 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 you have to give credit to Benfica's goalkeeping coach also. Uh, that certainly uh, the effort combined with coaching can only have good results. So um, three points out of this game at Pasfreda, which is always a tough game for us because of of the pitch dimensions, because of uh, it's there. Uh, Benfica fans were actually. Uh, the majority of fans, and it looked like it was a mini study to lose with that both uh, crazy. both the uh, and stands filled with Benfica fans. And for those of you that don't know, Pas Ferreira is very, very close to Porto. Was this another geography opportunity for you? Guys. <laughs> and I was astonished. I was astonished at how many people were. I mean, yeah. that was like you said, that was all red. That was all red. Yeah. I mean, it might, like 95%. Maybe in the central stand, there was a little bit of, of like not even green, but just black color. And that could have still been Vifiquistas. But the whole stadium just seemed like it was all red. I mean, tremendous, tremendous support by the Vifiquistas. Job well done by you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Three important points for uh, for Vifica for this game, uh, especially because uh, now that you've got a lead on Porto, you don't really want to waver on that lead, especially understanding that you got the Porto game and maybe 10, 12 days time uh, to play against Porto. So you want to go into that game being able to have that seven-point lead and then to kind of put the, put the finishing touches on, uh, on Porto. But Dave, aside from the three points, what other numbers can we pull out of this game? Yeah, Rafa with his uh, seventh goal of the season, uh, his fifth league goal uh, this year, and all of his league goals have come away from the uh, Estadio de Luz. So the guy's uh, performing uh, in these uh, smaller uh, pitches, uh, especially up north there. Uh, Vinicius also returned to the uh, score sheet for the first time uh, this year uh, in 2020 uh, with his 16th goal of the season. Uh, he had gone goalless in uh, his previous four matches. And I was starting to think that maybe it was time uh, to bring up uh, my boy into this lineup, but uh, we saw his big uh, miss there at the 80th uh, minute. So I don't think he's going to be pushing uh, Vinicius for uh, any starting position up top there for a while but uh and with uh that away victory that's 15 straight away victories for uh, Benfica in league competition and Brunelage has still yet to lose or draw uh away since taking over from this uh team last January that was Vinicius first goal since for uh December 18th yeah so it's been a while so for those of you that uh were saying no to the 60 million or 100 million dollars made you think for a second maybe this guy stopped scoring he left the scoring touch you know last year just like we saw Sferovic he left it last season not last year but let's see he lost it Dave do you have numbers of how many scandals misses uh Sferovic has had now? I know who's number one and number two on the list that's for sure Brian Ruiz and Sferovic right next to each other. 1A 1B <laughs> I don't keep those. I don't keep track of those for my boy. I don't know if there's anybody keeping track of those. That that might be a stat that you want to forget, unless the Corda wants to kind of bring that up. Um, so anyway, uh, important three points, as I mentioned. Now we turn our attention to uh, the next uh, game at Stade Luz for the Liga Nos against the uh, Bolnens Stad. Uh, comes up uh, this Friday, 7 p.m. local. Uh, hey, what's Bolnens up to this season? Uh, this season, they're currently 15th uh, near the bottom of the uh, league table with 18 points from uh, five wins, three draws, 10 losses. Uh, they beat Porto Menes, uh this past weekend 2-1, snapping a uh, four-game uh, losing streak uh, going into that match. And uh, 
They're coached by Petit. They made a, a coaching change midway through the season, and now uh, Petit is now uh, in charge of uh, the Saad there. Yeah. So uh, what are we uh, what are we looking at, Stimmel, for this Friday? A physical game by Petit's men uh, that play at his, uh, at his image? I think if the game's on the road, I always worry if about those things. But being, I know. I said if the game was on the road, okay. I would worry about those things. I always worry about those things. But <clears throat> being that it's at the side of the loose, uh with the, such an important Leganos game coming up the following week. I think Benfica's going to look to wrap this one up early. I think Andre Almeida will not play in this game because, as we know, he had an opportunity to pick up his fifth yellow card this past week, and he didn't. Um, in, you know, in it, which he, if, whatever. I don't know if it was on purpose or I didn't think about it. I like to think they they probably just you know it didn't happen. But st- strategically, it would have made sense for him to miss. Um, the next game with the fifth yellow against Valencia and then have a clean slate uh, to go ahead and play against Porto. I think we'll see Tavares in his place yeah. this weekend. Does that show the confidence that Lajas and Tavares to the point that I think I'm going to sit uh, uh, Andre Almeida for, against Valencia? As I said, being at home, I think things are a lot more relaxed. At the start of the lose. They'll know they have the fans behind them. The field, it just everything will be, you know, what they what they're used to. You know what I mean? I think Benfica will feel a lot more relaxed. I think Benfica will, will win this game for nothing usually. And I think that you know, club merda. Yeah. I mean speaking mm. speaking of they they did draw us two two last season at that, home. That was, that was uh, that the was, only that, blemish on Raj Lash last season. That was last season. After being up two zero, by the way. Yeah, speaking yeah. of fans behind you, there's three of us here and on the podcast, and I think that's one more uh than uh, what Sporting yeah. had that Alvalade on Monday and one more than what Porto had that uh, Dragon today. I didn't get to catch the gun today. I didn't get to catch them. Yeah. I saw the pictures Double of leads. Sporting. I didn't see Sporting. But I th- actually, when you said there's three of us here, there's three more than I thought you were going to go at, at the Stadio Nacional because Bolognese is, I mean, you talk about not drawing. I mean, they must draw like 100 people a game. If that, that's like family, girlfriends, and like side pieces and everything. Well, you know that the old school Bolognese guys don't identify with this I know, side but that's thing. why I'm saying like, they, they purposely, the old school, but the original Balenci clock and the fans, they purposely don't attend these matches. So it's it's like flies out there. So I thought initially you were going to go there, and then you mentioned Sporting. I did get to see some pictures on social media where, I, I you know, again, I didn't pay much attention, but it looked like there was very few people there. And now I totally understand. Why they painted the chairs? And, and to give you guys a quick story, <laughs> I took I took some family members to visit um, Avalade three years ago. Three years ago, summer of three years ago. Summer of three years ago. Yes, yeah, summer <laughs> 2017. Good job. See, Dave's the stats guy. That's what he's here for. I just, just got to keep him on his toes. He's paying attention. So, summer of 2017, I take some family members to, 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 to Avalad because whatever, they're sporting. So, we happen to go on the field and stuff. We're sitting there, and the guide comes, and you know, one one of the family members turns. How old were they? And they're Can like, I just ask how the old 80s, they were? 80s, 80s. Okay. So, so they weren't 17 or 18? No, no, 80s, 80s. Okay. No, because they would have asked me to change teams if they were 17. But 80s, <laughs> we're all in by now. We've invested all we can. It's too late. We've seen Sporting win yeah, titles. We, very long time ago, black and white, but we've seen Sporting win titles. But so, long story short, turns to me and like, listen, look, that's a vid. You see, Chris? See? Sporting is not like Benfica. We're not racist. I'm like, we're not racist. What the? I'm like, what? What are you talking about? You know, Benfica, it's all red. It's all red. You guys are racist. All you want is red. Here, we're looking. We got all the colors. <laughs> and I start laughing. <laughs> You're like, what are you laughing at? I said, really? Do you happen to know why the, the seats are all different colors? No. Tell me. I'm like, because 
on TV, it looks like it's full when it's nobody else. And the person says, yeah, yeah, all right, yeah, all right. And the guy turns around and says, well, he's actually right. It's an optical illusion. <laughs> if that person <laughs> the, the could bury guy, the, the, guy? the tour guide, if that person could have dug a hole and buried herself on the pit, would have absolutely buried that was just it was in to me i'm not saying it now that's just smile at the guy i'm like my man my <laughs> man yeah. well yeah that's that's my funny story regarding the the, the color that's seats. a good one I, like I thought there was a, a clearance sale or a liquidation sale on a bunch of seats so they can just grab whatever colors they could get on the on the seats no nah, dave that I, aside from benfica and porto every other like lady um this is like that too i believe uh, best all those stadiums. I think Braga. Braga is Braga like that? I think no. Braga. No, I think Braga is like that. I, I know the stadium. Faru is the stadium, not like that. Ferenc. Stadio uh, Algarve is not like that. Uh, I don't. Braga is not like that. Okay, but the Bola other Vista stadium. has black and white. Guimarães is black and white. I think the only ones is Lady, as you mentioned. Uh, I know uh, for Aveiro. Aveiro for sure. And the sporting one. I think sporting. those are the three one that, that come to mind. Coimbra. I was oh. in there. Okay. Coimbra. Remember, I took the video of the. But these were all stadiums that were built for the Euro. Yes. Yeah, there was. They got a. They got a discount on the chairs, and they split them up between the the four stadiums. Yeah, all four. You know, each team bought a color, and they just split them up. There you go. They bought one third of state of of uh, chairs for each one of the stadiums, and then they just whatever. They just didn't get the red ones to start off a lot because Brun, the red Brun, ones Brun were all Carvalho, taken up. Bruno Carvalho would have uh, would have made them would have made them you know yank them out. That's right. Uh, so yeah. um, I don't know, but I mean, is uh, you know, Bolnitsch is uh, four points uh, above the relegation. I'm not zone. worried. Uh, certainly, a game that's going to be accessible for Benfica, but with uh, with Petit at the helm, and and I don't I don't think he's a guy that that holds a, a grudge. I think that he's a guy that has he's good memories of Benfica. Yeah, but a win like this could make his career. It, it could know, make save his career. the season for him too. Look, they, they, it's going to be an important game for for Bolinas, but I just don't think at the end of the day they have enough to take on a Benfica on the road. Anything could happen. Catch a team napping. Um, yeah. yes, and there might be a trap game, but at home, I think Bruno Lage and, and their men and his men will be prepared um, to take on this game, and uh, I think it'll be four zero easy. Yeah, Bef I easy think, peasy. I think as as long as Bifika treats this game like they have and they approach this game like they have all others with seriousness and, and professionalism, I think and, that uh, we're in and we're look, in for another one. And look, that's the thing. Bruno Lage is taking every game serious. I mean, with the exception of the home game this year against uh, Porto. <laughs> I, I think we took that game off. But every other game, they've, they've taken these games serious, whether on the road or, or at home. And I, I think they'll do that um, this coming Friday. And I think, uh, you know, They'll, they'll, they'll be looking ahead to talk with the Porto, but I still think that, um, you know, that they'll want to get these three points and go into the Ladron with uh, seven points. Seven yeah. Point lead at minimum. So the reason why Benfica is playing on Friday is because on Tuesday they have the Portuguese uh, Cup uh, semifinal. Uh, first leg against Famalicão at Stade Luz. The second leg will be played uh, on the 11th of, of February. Uh, one of the many important games uh, this February. Dave, um, you want to run through February? What we got for February? Yeah. We could discuss. So after after the the Tasa game on the fourth, there, like uh, Chris mentioned, we go up to Porto to face them on the eighth uh, Saturday, the eighth. Uh, then followed by the eleventh uh, against Familico for the second leg. Uh, then we travel back home to face Braga on the fifteenth, which is also a Saturday fixture. 
and then the Europa League uh, kicks off again on the uh, the twentieth on the Thursday. We travel to Ukraine to play uh, Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, come back home to face uh, Jo Vicente on the Monday at Jo Vicente, and then wrap up the month uh, against Shakhtar at home on the twenty seventh. So. Uh, seven games in the uh, 24 day span in uh, February. So it's roughly a game every three, four days. Cristiano, here it is. A very, very important February uh, for Benfica with super duper important games uh, with the, the two legs against Fumilicão for the Portuguese Cup, which we uh, we want to be at the Jamor. Uh, then you got Porto, you got Braga. And you got the two the two Shakhtar games uh, this month also. You know, sprinkle in that Gil Vicente game, which uh, I you know is just one you know part of the calendar. But certainly Porto Braga, the two uh, Shakhtar fixtures, and Famalicão, of course, super important game, uh, super important month for Benfica. Yeah, um, I, I think. Uh, listen, we Benfica. We all need to be at, at, at the Jamor. We need to to be there for the final of Taça Portugal. Um, it's it's a cup, as we stated here many times, that we haven't won nearly enough over the last 20, 25 years. Um, it's actually a shame, to be brutally honest. That being said, look, I, 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 if it was one game, I'd be a lot more worried about um, this one game against Formula League, but it's two legs, so I'm okay with that. Even if you kind of don't come out with the greatest result in the first game, I still think Benfica has enough um, to possibly overturn a negative result in the second leg. Now, the thing that worries me is Family Count will come in and try to make history for their club. They're going to throw all their best out there in order you know, to try to make some historic run for their club, which is I'm pretty sure they've never been to a final of the Taça Portugal. On the other hand, Porto is going to play a team that is a satellite of Futebol Clube Porto. And so I have my doubts and my questions as to whether um, they will put out the same intensity um, as Family Cone will in order to make a final. Because, again, I, we've seen a lot of shenanigans going you know, go, going on with Futebol Clube Porto over the last 30, 40 years. So that's something that preoccupies me because Benfica, how much energy will they have to waste in that game on Tuesday before they face Portugal the Porto over the weekend, where I think Porto will be a relatively easy game. So that's something that I question about. But I still do think Benfica has enough to possibly overturn a second. Uh, it hopefully it won't come to that. But if they do um, have a negative result in the first match, I think that they have a, enough to overturn in the second leg. Then Braga comes up after that. It, it's going to be a tough game. We see they're a totally different team with the Ruben uh, uh, Amorim at the helm. Um, this game will be what, on the road or at home? I know you mentioned at home, home, at home again. So again, as we've stated, I mean, I say this every time on the podcast. Go look back. What last five years have been on here? Every time Benfica plays at the Stade of the Luz, uh with Braga, I'm pretty positive and pretty comfortable with the result because they've beaten Benfica at the Stade of the Luz once since 1956, if I'm not mistaken, which was the game. As I say it over and over, every time I mention this game, the last game Enzo Perez played for Benfica. 1956. They've beat they've beat them once since 1956, which is the game that Enzo Harris played. One game, bro. Come on, you guys. You were talking too fast. I was having a hard time following. The good thing is when you're listening to this, I know that on iTunes you could like slow it down by half, right? You could speed it up, slow it down. So for those of you that speak too fast, slow it down. But uh, so I'm pretty comfortable. I'm pretty positive. And then the 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 Shakhtar games. Look, I, I still think that's that's a very even matchup. And I know a lot of people point to the fact. 
that they're coming off of their winter break and yada, yada, yada. They won't be in rhythm. But that's those are very tricky games because Shakhtar does have a very good uh, a very good roster and they do have the experience of of playing in the European competitions, you know, Champions League, whatever. And again, I, I said it before and I'll say it again, Benfica is very unlucky to draw a team that, like themselves, was coming from the Champions Leagues. When you think of some of the other possible opponents, I thought that was a very rough draw for Benfica. Should Benfica be able to beat them? Yeah, absolutely. But I, I just, I, I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park. So as you said, yeah, very tough uh, few games coming up. But, uh, you know, the one game that matters realistically is is the one game against Football Club de Porto. Because if Benfica finds a way to beat them, and now you go to 10 points. I mean, look, it doesn't matter if they lose to Braga the next week. It is what it is. And go back to seven. You still got a very comfortable lead going up for the rest of the year against a very weak Portuguese league. Um, yeah, not to, not to mention, and I didn't want to interrupt you, but I wanted to, to mention this in terms of Shakhtar. Not to mention Shakhtar is being coached by Luis Castro, who no, is, ver- is very aware Portugal, of, uh, of, uh, of who Benfica is and how Benfica plays mm-hmm. uh, in terms of him uh, being in the Portuguese league and, and currently following the Portuguese league, I'm sure. Uh, but and yeah. Shakhtar has players on their roster that would absolutely play at Benfica with their eyes closed. They have, um, they have quality yeah, on their team. They have quality two, on their players team. That, yeah, uh, I, didn't say, I, say. I didn't say the whole team, but there's a few guys mm-hmm. on that team that could play on Benfica without a single yeah. problem. So, I mean, they pose a serious threat. But that's a game that we'll talk about down the line. Yeah. Right now, what's important is spanking Luminous at home, finding a way to get through the through the family cone game without any uh, you know injuries and without really wasting that much energy. And then going to the Ladron, a place that we were very lucky, not very lucky, but fortunate to win the game last year. But remember, Benfica last year in March went into the Dragon, March 2nd, I believe, or 3rd or something like that. Went into the Dragon and um, being down, well, not that game, but Benfica at some point was down seven points. Went into the Dragon, won that game, ultimately took over, jumped the standings uh, over Foco de Porto. Both teams went on to win every single game the rest of the year. And so this game, could be a very crucial game, but right now it's things stand even at seven points. If they lose four points, still a relatively comfortable lead. So I think Benfica will go in there very at ease and very confident again because they did it. They've done it last year, and they know in the back of their pocket, even if they lose, you know, they still got a nice little cushion. Yeah, we'll we'll have more of a chance to talk about that Porto game uh, next week. We'll be back on Wednesday since Benfica plays on Tuesday. We'll. Give us some time to watch that game and to be back on uh, Wednesday to uh, recap both the Bolnitsch, uh and the first leg of uh, the Portuguese Cup against Famalicão. Uh, so we will have more for you in, in terms of that. Um, what do you think should – you already touched up on it, but the approach against Famalicão in this first leg, do you think that Benfica is going to want to put away this uh, – this uh, the, 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 the fixture in this first leg in normal circumstances absolutely why not put it out of reach in the first leg and like that you breeze into the second one without relatively much you know thought or worry on it but considering that you play football with the Porto a few days away it kind of makes you think do you reserve some guys will love and be in goal that's that's i mean if i'm if i'm brunelage the answer is absolutely no I'm, I'm if playing you're Blanco Dima. Oh, if, if you're in charge. If I'm Bruno Lodge, I'm No, I'm making the decisions. No, it's absolutely. I'm believing Blanco Dimos, especially now. And again, look, Fomalicão is not playing Braga or Porto or even Sporting to that extent, right? Fomalicão is a nice team with a nice little story, but, it, you know, it should be a team that Benfica could be even with his Loban and goal. But I just wouldn't want to risk anything Does, because um, of how important this cup, you know, 
should be or, or or what it should mean for the club because of how many few we've won over the last 25 years. I think it should be of, of the most importance to win this game. And again, as I stated before, if they lose, it's two legs. If, even if they slip up the first game, they'll always have the second. So, I mean, maybe Lodge plays with that. Maybe Lodge does give Slovin a chance. And then, look, if things are bleak, second leg, we come in there with our strongest lineup. It, but that's a decision that Bruno Lodge is going to have to make. I mean, it, it, it's a very tough decision because of the one game that follows after that, which yeah. is against the Porto. The, if they were playing Pastor Freire or Bolognese, let's say they're playing Bolognese after that, it's an easy decision. I'm rotating. Yeah. But the fact you're playing Porto, right? Does... um. Does Brunelage rest uh, Gabriel and, and bring in Tarap against Fumalicão? I think he should. I think he should. I think. I look. First of all, I think. I think Tarap needs to get more playing time as is. So, uh, you know, he's going to try to keep guys motivated. Going to try to keep guys uh, fit and, and and in rhythm. And I think that's a great opportunity to give a guy like Tarap some burn. Yeah. Um, if you're Lage, probably you're not making many changes in that lineup against Fumalicão, right? Yeah, I, I, if I'm large, I am. I'm making change. What changes would you I'm make? I'm playing Tavares. Uh, the only, the only look. I, I'm, I'm comfortable with 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 the second options we have on the team, with the exception of of maybe a uh, a Zlovin. That's the one that has me preoccupied because I like the kid. I've had the privilege of meeting him. He's a very nice kid, and I root for him. I want him to do well, but um, I think he's a liability right now. I don't think he's he's ready to play at this level yet and with such an important game a game of this magnitude that is you know the difference between you going on and, and, and you know making a presence in a final of a Tasa Portugal um, I, th I think I wouldn't play with that I wouldn't play with that but then again as I stated man look there's so many different ways you could look at this game because you have a second leg yeah and I would rotate because one I got a second leg and two I got a very important game against Porto the following week But I'm not Brunelage. I don't know what he's going to do, but I would I would rotate some. Yeah, but uh, that second leg falls between the Porto and the Braga game. It's tricky. Yeah, but if uh, it is, but it isn't. But because if, as if I said, if, if you, you beat Porto, leg, if no, forget that. Because if you beat Porto, right, then it is what it is. Like you you, you roll out your, your strongest lineup for the second leg. Because even if you slip up against Braga, you, then you go back to seven points. Remember, that game against Porto is, is, is a six-point swing. Yeah. You know what I mean? If they win, they'll be up 10. If they lose, they'll be they'll be up four. That's a six-point swing. So it all depends on what happens in that game. Yeah. No, absolutely. We shall see. Uh, so we will uh, be back next week on Wednesday. Look for us on Wednesday. Dave. I forgot to ask your thoughts, man. What, what are you what are you thinking of this uh, this busy month of February? It's going to make or break us. We're going to see what the uh, how the uh, end of the season turns out. It's going to be, be based a lot of, on this uh, month. A lot of games in a short amount of days uh, across three tournaments there. Uh, but uh, we're going to see how the Benfica is, how, uh, how much depth we have in this squad. Because I think there's going to be some games like we've discussed here where we're going to have to rotate the squad because of the amount of games we're playing in a short amount of time. So it's going to test the depth, test uh, the quality uh, that we have on the bench. And uh, at the end of the month, we'll have a clearer picture and, and see um, who this Benfica is and, and whether or not we're going to be uh, celebrating at the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly um, some, some uh, important games as we mentioned. So, 
Um, we'll be back on Wednesday. Thank you very much for for checking us out at ten co ten at do at eighty seven. Yeah, I always screw that up. And before we go, man, I just want to give a big shout out to my boy uh, Kobe Bryant. R.I.P. Or I can't. I can't even say. I'm getting choked. I can't even talk. Just thinking about it. it's a tremendous loss for the for, for the world, not just the sporting world, but but the world in general. And uh, just uh, certainly, my thoughts go out to him and his and his surviving family. Mm-hmm. Obviously, his wife and his kids. And it's it's tragic for him and everyone else involved in that accident. Man, it's 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 been really difficult for me over the last couple of days. I grew up with Kobe. I'm um, actually ten days older than he is. Um, and uh, it, it's it's been very a very hard pill to swallow. I was actually watching the Figa game when the news came across, and bro, it's it, like I couldn't even focus on a game. I couldn't watch the second. It was, it's, it's been a really tough couple of days. Um, so I just wanted to, you know. Yeah, look, um, certainly very sad. Um, what what I can say in terms of of that is that the one memory that I have of of Kobe Bryant, aside from you know him being a very very good basketball player. Uh, and and a player that w- after when he came out was really just to, just watching him as, in his style the way he played it, it really reminded me of uh, of Michael Jordan who was uh, on his descent uh, at the time but the biggest thing about Kobe uh, for me um, that I can remember and really really stuck with me was the fact that he was perhaps in in my mind and and, and I know that Chris follows a bunch of American sports. But he was perhaps the the first professional athlete uh, playing in the United States, a major uh, American sport that uh, kind of gave exposure to soccer uh, in the United States. Obviously, he had ties um, in in Italy to Milan. Uh, his dad finished his career playing in Italy. He was brought up in Italy. Uh, so as a result, he was also a, a, a soccer fan. But he was probably the first guy that was that was vocal about soccer. And I think that when you live in a country like the U S and, and Canada can, can do this where soccer has struggled for a long, long time to kind of uh, come out in a public spotlight or to even be considered as a serious sport uh, in the, uh, the American sports landscape, Kobe, I thought that he really did a really, really good service for, for, for soccer in America because of the exposure that he gave soccer um, to other, other people in other sports, NBA in particular. And, and, you know, if you don't have to be a basketball uh, fan to be a fan of, of Kobe, just because of the tremendous personality that he, that he had, the, the tremendous human being that he was uh, certainly that's the one thing that I remember uh, Kobe for. So um Yeah. Prayers and thoughts uh, for sure go out to uh, to his family. It's a, it's a tremendous loss for uh, for humanity, uh, and uh, I know that there's there's some serious um, issues in the world uh, that are, are are perhaps more serious than sport, uh, but certainly uh, because of the human side of of who he was uh, is a guy that's revered by by many. Uh, uh, other athletes as well as uh, human beings alike. So certainly uh, our respects uh, and our prayers to, uh, to the family. So I uh, hate to uh, leave you guys on that note, but uh, yeah, we'll be back next week on Wednesday uh, at uh, Benfica podcast, Benfica podcast.com. Don't forget to check out Benfica independent 
uh, now with tons of content, some uh, some Patreon in content in there. Uh, also, uh, two bucks a month uh, can't get much cheaper than that. Thank you very much, everyone. Talk to you again next week. Later.